The hearing of the Center for Relations, Foreign Relations Committee will come to order. I apologize for being late uh, and for the tardiness of this entire hearing. Uh, we are gathered today to consider four nominations, the ambassador for Ambassador to, to Cyprus, to Iceland, to Azerbaijan, and uh, Bosnia and Herzegovina. I want to welcome all the nominees. I uh, want to thank them for their willingness to serve your past service. I certainly want to welcome their families as well. Because, because I'm late, I'll just ask that my opening statement be entered in the record. To suffice to say, these are incredibly important uh, uh, nations, uh, countries to be represented uh, by. Uh, what I consider some excellent nominees here uh, for the position. So with that, I'll turn it over to Senator uh, Murphy. Uh, thank you very much, Mr. Chairman. Looking forward to your testimony. I'll just say a few things about uh, the important posts you're about to uh, attend to. We hope in Bosnia-Herzegovina, um, ethnic tensions continue to pull this country apart at the seams while political self-interest and navel-gazing by many of its leaders has prevented Bosnia from moving forward uh, on EU or NATO integration. Um, it's about time that the United States step up and try to provide some real leadership here. Ultimately, these decisions are up to the people of Bosnia-Herzegovina themselves, uh, but uh, U.S. leadership has been critical at so many times in the past at uh, trying to reconcile these tensions in the region, and they will be in the future. Uh, Cyprus is another complicated assignment, given the longstanding division of the island, but we're still hopeful that an agreement can be reached as reunification under a bi-zonal uh, by communal federation would bring benefits to everyone there, and uh, the Eastern Mediterranean gas discovery uh, offers some significant new economic opportunities uh, to strengthen regional cooperation, especially with Israel. Um, just as Cyprus's energy resources are a potential alternative to Russian gas, Azerbaijan is so important as a natural gas supplier to Europe. Um, we are appreciative of their partnership and their partnership with Europe on energy securities, um, but we have to uh, remain concerned about the lessening political freedom inside Azerbaijan. Uh, as a bipartisan task force on extremism recently noted, where citizens are free to engage in civic and political organizations, extremists struggle to attract followers, but where extremists provide the only viable option for change, they gain traction. And finally, Iceland, uh, it had its own brush with instability following the banking collapse of 2008, but it is now an economic and democratic success story with a uh, up and coming soccer team to boot. Uh, and so we are glad to have all four of you before us today. Uh, we look forward to your testimony. And as I Mentioned Dr. Hunter Gunter, uh, make sure you have a good rain suit for Iceland. Uh, our first nominee will be Ambassador Judith Gail Garber. Ambassador Garber is the nominee to be U.S. Ambassador to Cyprus. Ambassador Garber is a career member of the Senior Foreign Service with the rank of Career Minister. She is currently Principal Deputy Assistant Secretary for the Bureau of Oceans and International Environmental and Scientific Affairs, a position she has held since 2014. She also has served at six U.S. missions overseas, including as ambassador to Latvia from 2009 to 2012. Ambassador Garber is a recipient of 20 notable State Department awards and speaks Spanish, Hebrew, Czech, and Latvian. Ambassador Garber. Mr. Chairman, Ranking Member Murphy, and members of the committee, I am honored to appear before you today to be considered for the position of the United States Ambassador to the Republic of Cyprus. I am grateful to be nominated by President Trump and appreciate Secretary Pompeo's confidence in me. If confirmed, I pledge to work with all of you to advance in Cyprus the fundamental U.S. interest in a Europe whole, free, 
prosperous, and at peace. I'd like to recognize my husband, Paul, who is here today, and thank him for his love and support over a long Foreign Service career. I'm humbled to be considered again to serve as a U.S. Ambassador. It is an honor and a privilege to represent the United States. This is an important time for Cyprus, a country situated at the crossroads of Europe, the Middle East, and Africa. It is at this place that U.S. national interests in anchoring the Euro-Atlantic Alliance, securing the Eastern Frontier, and stabilizing the South intersect. Our commitment to encouraging the leaders of the Greek Cypriot and Turkish Cypriot communities to forge a just and lasting settlement remains as resolute as ever. If confirmed, I would do all that I could to support efforts by these leaders, by ordinary Cypriots, by the guarantor powers, and by the United Nations to reach the promise of a bizonal, bicommunal federation. A reunified Cyprus would provide a more prosperous future for all Cypriots. Such an example would resonate well beyond the island, strengthening the relations in all corners of the Eastern Mediterranean and throughout the world. It would also serve as an inspiration for others who wish to define a new future after a painful past. The Republic of Cyprus is a valued friend and important strategic partner with whom we cooperate on a range of priorities, including counterterrorism, maritime security, and law enforcement. Cyprus's participation in the global coalition to defeat ISIS, as well as its regional efforts to prevent proliferation of weapons of mass destruction, demonstrate its commitment to international security. We are working systematically to strengthen our relations with the Republic of Cyprus, including in the areas of security cooperation and counterterrorism. If confirmed, I will continue this effort. The discovery of natural gas resources in the Eastern Mediterranean, including in Cyprus's offshore waters, has expanded possibilities for increasing regional energy security through diversification of resources, routes, and suppliers. We have emphasized our support to the Republic of Cyprus's right to develop hydrocarbon resources in its exclusive economic zone. We also believe the resources should be shared equitably between both communities within the context of an overall settlement. Hydrocarbons have the potential, if managed correctly, to be a catalyst for increased cooperation for enhanced regional stability and prosperity, and should serve as an incentive to Cyprus for a settlement. If confirmed, I would seek to build upon this potential. Cyprus's economy has proven to be resilient with the help of an INF program, but additional reforms will be necessary to sustain future growth. Cyprus continues to support IMF post-program monitoring, illustrating their resolve to keep the economy on a positive trajectory. However, Cyprus needs to modernize its foreclosure and bankruptcy laws and accelerate efforts to reduce the high level of non-performing debt. It also needs to take more steps to combat the numerous challenges and risks posed by illicit Russian money in the economy. To sustain economic growth, Cyprus needs to control public sector spending, take steps to diversify the economy, and implement legal reforms to preserve confidence in the banking sector. We also pay close attention to the integrity of the Cypriot financial sector. We are encouraged by the progress of local banks to boost regulations by culling suspicious accounts and hiring additional personnel to conduct due diligence. If confirmed, I will encourage the Republic of Cyprus to continue to strengthen its banking regulations and implement measures to limit the ease of shell company formation. At the same time, progress on a settlement could have a positive impact on the entire island's economy. Study after study has shown a Cyprus settlement would create opportunities for greater trade and investment, bringing tangible benefits to all Cypriots. If confirmed, I will be accredited to the Republic of Cyprus. I will support both Greek and Cypriot Greek Cypriot and Turkish Cypriot communities in their efforts to pursue reconciliation and reunification. I believe my experience has prepared me well for the challenges and opportunities ahead. 
I've dedicated much of my career to advancing U.S. economic interests. If confirmed, I will also draw upon my previous experience as an ambassador in a small European Union country with communal divisions in a complicated neighborhood. If confirmed, I will work to strengthen the bonds between the United States and the Republic of Cyprus. I'll work with members of Congress, partners throughout the U.S. government, and the private sector, and with the dedicated staff of the Embassy in Nicosia to further our goals in Cyprus and support the promise of a better future for all Cypriots. Mr. Chairman, members of the committee, thank you again for the opportunity to be with you here today. I'd be pleased to answer any questions you may have. Thank you, Ambassador Garber. Our next nom nominee is Dr. Jeffrey Ross Gunter. Dr. Gunter is the President's nominee to be the U.S. Ambassador to Iceland. <clears throat> Dr. Gunter is, is a physician and healthcare executive. He leads Jeffrey Ross Gunter, MD, Incorporated, specializing in dermatology care for rural communities. Previously, Dr. Gunter was a clinical professor of medicine at the Keck Medicine Center at the University of Southern California and chief resident of dermatology at the Los Angeles County USC Medical Center. He speaks Spanish, French, and Dutch. Dr. Gunter. Excuse me. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Thank you, Ranking Member Murphy, members of the committee. Is it a privilege and an honor to appear before you today as President Trump's nominee to serve as the United States Ambassador to Iceland. I'm humbled by the confidence placed in me by the President and the Secretary of State. If confirmed, I look forward to working with this committee and the Congress in advancing the interests, the prosperity, and the protection of the United States in Iceland. I would briefly like to introduce and mention my twins. My daughter, Sophie, is here today and my son Simon is watching us in England, where he is studying translational science. My wife, Johanna, was a Jewish-American Dutch immigrant, a naturalized citizen, who passed away two years ago after a brave battle with cancer. She is the main reason why I am sitting here today. I would like to especially thank the chairman for introducing me to the committee. Last but not least, I would like to thank the 18 career diplomats, my classmates, at the Foreign Service Institute. For three weeks, these tremendous public servants and brilliant patriots who sacrificed so much mentored me, guided me, and led by a shiny example. Thank you. I sit before this distinguished committee as a private citizen who has never held a government office. However, I have spent my life serving others as a doctor, treating patients, and managing medical clinics for over 25 years. I believe my experience as a practitioner of medicine and as an entrepreneur and manager in the private sector will suit me well if confirmed. My medical career has been spent in the field of dermatology, where my practice is focused on providing health care to primarily rural areas of the Western United States. Historically, these areas have had a limited access to our health care system, patients needing to travel long distances to receive specialized care. Providing health access to rural community has also blessed me with the opportunity to provide care for a great number of our military men and women and their dependents. Their unparalleled dedication and sacrifice is humbling, inspiring, and motivating. I believe I will succeed as an ambassador because I've learned how to build a large organization, manage and invest in staff, deliver care to patients, and be responsive to the needs of both the individual and the larger community. Strong values, a strong work ethic, and a focus on the mission, coupled with the ability to work with others, 
are the reasons why I believe I have been successful. If confirmed, I'm prepared to bring all my experience and skills to my new responsibility. If confirmed, my foremost priority as ambassador will be promoting the United States' interests in Iceland. I will work hard to identify areas of common interest, advance these issues, and allow both countries to support each other while working towards progress for our common goals. While I have never been to Iceland, I've spent a considerable amount of time in Western Europe as my late wife was from the Netherlands. I speak Dutch, French, and Spanish. What is clear from my studies of Iceland is that it is a country of tremendous history, beauty, ambition, resilience, and accomplishment. Iceland is home to a proud people with a land shaped by its environment. The environment, like for so many of us, is important to me, growing up in Southern California on Santa Monica Bay. I've spent my entire career building, I've spent my entire career battling on behalf of patients against the harmful effects of the sun and the UVB radiation, which causes not only aging, but also life-threatening skin cancer. If confirmed, I look forward to continuing the dialogue with the Icelandic government about our environment and finding ways of engagement to go forward on this important issue. Iceland is a NATO founding member and an ally, a close partner of the United States. The United States and Iceland cooperate on a wide range of important issues, from transatlantic security to the sustainable development of the Arctic. In addition, the completion of the embassy's move to the long-awaited new chancery in a seamless fashion is a top priority as well, if confirmed. If confirmed, I look forward to working with the embassy staff in Iceland in an encouraging and cooperative manner to achieve common goals. My management style is to respect everyone, encourage their success, while insisting on great work for you all and the American people. Iceland shares our democratic values and strong belief in the free market. Because of these fundamental pillars, Iceland and America can climb many mountains of opportunity together. If I'm given the opportunity to represent the United States in Iceland, I can't wait to climb together with the State Department and with the members of this committee to meet our mutual challenges and to accomplish our goals. Mr. Chairman and members of the committee, thank you for this tremendous opportunity to be here today. If confirmed, I look forward to hosting your visit to Iceland and to working closely with each and every one of you. My door is always open. Thank you. Thank you, Dr. Gunter. Our next nominee is Mr. Earl D. Litzenberger. Mr. Litzenberger is the nominee to be the U.S. Ambassador to Azerbaijan. Mr. Litzenberger is a career member of the Senior Foreign Service with the rank of Minister Counselor. He currently serves as Senior Advisor in the Bureau of Political and Military Affairs. Previously, Mr. Litzenberger served as Deputy Chief of Mission to NATO, Deputy Chief of Mission in Serbia, and Deputy Chief of Mission in Kyrgyzstan. Mr. Litzenberger is a recipient of the Matilda W. Sinclair Language Award. He speaks French, Russian, Serbian, and Bulgarian. Mr. Litzenberger. Thank you. Mr. Chairman, Ranking Member Murphy, and distinguished members of the committee, I come before you today, both honored and humbled, to testify as President Trump's nominee to be the next U.S. Ambassador to Azerbaijan. I'm grateful to the President and Secretary Pompeo for the confidence they've placed in me. If confirmed, I pledge to work closely with this committee and all members of Congress to advance U.S. interests in Azerbaijan. 
I would like to thank my family for supporting and sharing my 34-year career in the Foreign Service. My wife, Mary Ann, and daughter, Ashley, have joined me here today. Our son, Andrew, and daughter-in-law, Tara, and their children, our grandchildren, Zachary and Eliana, unfortunately, are unable to be here. Over the course of my career, I have dedicated myself to advancing U.S. foreign policy interests, promoting U.S. values, and safeguarding our national security. Situated astride a geographic and cultural crossroads, the South Caucasus is a region of vital importance to the U.S. Azerbaijan, the only country to border both Iran and Russia, is an important U.S. partner. Our relationship matters not just to our two countries, but to Azerbaijan's neighbors and the wider region. We stand only to gain from a stable, democratic, peaceful, and prosperous Azerbaijan strategically linked to the United States and our European friends and allies. Since the establishment of our diplomatic relations in 1992, our cooperation with Azerbaijan has centered on three interrelated and equally important areas, security, energy and economic growth, and democracy and governance. If confirmed, I will invigorate America's principled efforts in each of these areas and work with all of our partners to resolve the challenges the South Caucasus region continues to face. Azerbaijan has long been a stalwart partner on international security. After the attacks of September 11, Azerbaijan was among the first country to extend support and offer close cooperation to combat terrorism. I saw firsthand Azerbaijan's contributions to peace and security while serving as NATO's deputy senior civilian representative in Afghanistan. And earlier this year, Azerbaijan stepped up its commitment to that mission in Afghanistan, where it now deploys 120 troops. Azerbaijan is also part of the Northern Distribution Network for supporting uh, U.S. and NATO operations in Afghanistan. If confirmed, I will sustain the security relationship and enhance our cooperation in areas such as border security, counterproliferation, and countering human trafficking. The United States and Azerbaijan have also enjoyed more than 20 years of cooperation on energy security that has produced some real wins for the longstanding U.S. policy of diversifying energy routes and sources for European and global markets. The Baku-Tbilisi-Chehan pipeline, oil pipeline, was an early success for energy diplomacy. Today, the soon-to-be-realized Southern Gas Corridor, stretching from Azerbaijan to Italy, is more important than ever for European energy security. If confirmed, I will work with Azerbaijan to realize the full potential of its energy resources, expand the Southern Gas Corridor, and bolster critical energy infrastructure protection. At the same time, if confirmed, I will support Azerbaijan's efforts to diversify its economy away from oil and gas. Azerbaijan is already a significant export market for U.S. airplanes, our farm equipment, and other goods and services. If confirmed, I will promote a level playing field and transparent business environment to foster economic development and create even more opportunities for U.S. companies. Azerbaijan's integration with the West, however, can and must go beyond pipelines, exports, and security cooperation. The United States must continue to work closely with Azerbaijan on advancing democratic and open economic principles through strong rule of law, transparency, and the protection of human rights and dignity. It is in Azerbaijan's own interest to undertake these reforms, both to ensure its long-term stability and to realize the full potential of its people and economy. Democracies thrive only when bolstered by an independent judiciary, respect for the rule of law, a free media, a vibrant civil society, political pluralism, and a democratic electoral process. 
and respect for human rights and fundamental freedoms. As affirmed in the President's national security strategy, these principles form the foundation of our most enduring partnerships. As Azerbaijan advances along this path, our bilateral relationship will grow even stronger. Throughout my career, I have worked to, to promote these core U.S. values by helping countries progress in their transitions to democratic governance. If confirmed, I will bring all of these experiences to bear in developing a dialogue with Azerbaijan based on mutual respect and confidence. I will also meet with a wide range of Azerbaijani society to share American values and learn about Azerbaijan's rich history and culture. Finally, but no less importantly, Azerbaijan is a key player in the region's peace and stability. There is no higher priority for achieving a more secure and prosperous future for the South Caucasus than the peaceful settlement of the Nagorno-Karabakh conflict. As co-chair of the OSCE Minsk Group process, the United States continues to work with all sides to achieve a peaceful, lasting, negotiated settlement of the conflict based on the principles of the UN Charter and the Helsinki Final Act, including the non-use of force or threat of force, territorial integrity, and the equal rights and self-determination of peoples. If confirmed, I will have the honor of advancing all of these objectives while safeguarding American citizens and ensuring responsible stewardship of taxpayer dollars. Thank you for considering my nomination, and I look forward to your questions. Thank you, Mr. Litzenberger. Our fourth nominee is Mr. Eric George Nelson. Mr. Nelson is the President's nominee to be the U.S. Ambassador to Bosnia-Herzegovina. Mr. Nelson is a member of the Senior Foreign Service with the rank of Minister Counselor. He is currently Deputy Executive Secretary and Director of the Executive Office of the Executive Secretariat, a position he has held since 2015. Mr. Nelson has served in seven U.S. missions overseas, including as Deputy Chief of Mission in Costa Rica and General Counsel in Munich. He has received numerous awards for effective leadership and speaks Spanish, German, and Italian. Mr. Nelson. Good morning, Chairman Johnson, Ranking Member Murphy, Senator Shaheen, Senator Kane. It is an honor to appear before the committee today as the President's nominee to serve as Ambassador to Bosnia and Herzegovina. I am grateful for the confidence the President and the Secretary of State have placed in me. I'm accompanied by my partner, Filippo Tattoni, and I wish to recognize today the great sacrifices he has made to support me in my career. I am proud that my nomination is an example of how much the United States values diversity. America's diversity is fundamental to our freedoms and makes us the innovative and dynamic nation we are. Bosnia and Herzegovina shares this essential characteristic with a centuries-long history of religious coexistence. I've been privileged to pursue a career in public service, beginning 35 years ago as a Peace Corps volunteer in Liberia and continuing in the foreign service across Europe, Latin America, and Pakistan. My grandparents' and parents' examples of service continue to inspire me. My Slovak grandparents ministered to Lutheran congregations across Pennsylvania and Ohio, and my Swedish and Danish grandparents survived the Great Depression serving customers in their small New Jersey diner. My mother, Eleanor, watching today from Texas, was a school teacher, and my late father, Herbert, steered his corporate career into decades of philanthropic and community service. If confirmed, I will proudly lead a successful interagency team in Bosnia-Herzegovina and will look for every opportunity to shine a spotlight on their excellence in service to America. The United States is safer and more prosperous when Europe is indeed stable and prosperous. 
When 100,000 Bosnians died and more than one million fled the Bosnian War of 1992 to 1995, the United States intervened with force and diplomacy to end the war. As a guarantor of the Dayton Peace Accords, the United States remains firmly committed to Bosnia and Herzegovina's sovereignty and territorial integrity. 23 years of relative peace has been a great achievement, but we cannot take this for granted. The surest path to securing a promising future is integration into Euro-Atlantic institutions. Unfortunately, too many politicians continue to put zero-sum ethnic nationalism and their personal enrichment ahead of critical reforms. If confirmed, I will focus the work of the embassy on several priority areas. Firstly, expanding prosperity. A weak economy and endemic corruption undermine stability. Reforms are critical to reduce labor taxes, improve the ease of opening a business and privatize bloated state enterprises. If confirmed, I will press for standards that ensure Bosnia-Herzegovina can be an attractive destination for US exports and direct investment. Secondly, if confirmed, I will promote effective government and rule of law. Sadly, Transparency International ranks Bosnia-Herzegovina as one of the most corrupt countries in Europe. I will continue our embassy's strong efforts to improve transparency and accountability. When local institutions fail to act, or if peace and stability are threatened, targeted sanctions can be an effective response. Our third priority will be improving security. The United States will continue our efforts to help Bosnia-Herzegovina counter violent extremism and malign foreign influence, strengthen law enforcement, and increase border security. The country is a committed partner on counterterrorism and deploys with allied troops in Afghanistan. The United States supports Bosnia-Herzegovina's continued progress towards NATO membership and Western democratic values. Fourth, if confirmed, I will press the government of Bosnia-Herzegovina to further human rights. President Trump said in Warsaw last year, above all, we value the dignity of every human life. We protect the rights of every person and we share the hope of every soul to live in freedom. The United States will advance democracy by promoting media freedom, religious liberty, and education reform. If confirmed, I will advocate for accountability for past atrocities and equal treatment before the law of all Bosnia-Herzegovina citizens. I will strengthen our partnerships with civil society, private sector, and European partners, and I will be eager to work with all leaders in Bosnia-Herzegovina who share our goals and are ready to tackle corruption and implement reform. Mr. Chairman, I thank this committee and other members of Congress for your steadfast interest in Bosnia-Herzegovina. Thank you for your time, and I look forward to your questions. Thank you, Mr. Nelson. <clears throat> Out of respect for my colleague's time, I'll defer my question to the end. Senator Murphy. I'm here. Senator Kane. Thank you. This never happens. <laughs> I love this. Thank you, and congratulations to each of you for your uh, nominations. I think you're all very qualified for these positions. Um, first, a question. I'm not sh sure if you'll have an answer to it, if, if you have knowledge to answer it, but I was very disturbed when I read the news the other day that the State Department was changing a policy to say that members of the Foreign Diplomatic Corps coming to the United States would no longer be able to get a visa for same-sex partners. Many countries do not allow same-sex marriage, 
And the previous policy had been that we would grant a, a visa to same-sex partners of visiting members of the diplomatic corps. And the announcement occurred the other day that that is being stopped. Are you aware, was that decision made purely within the State Department, or was it promoted by the White House or others within the administration? Do any of you have knowledge of this? I'm not aware of, of how that decision was reached, but I have um, read, read the briefings on it. I understand that the department made the decision based on achieving equality to following the Obergefell decision that recognized same-sex marriage, same marriage in the United States. The department before that time had been forward-leaning and trying to accommodate same-sex partners coming to the U.S. They're now creating uh, equivalence between um, for same-sex and opposite-sex marriages, and they will continue to apply reciprocity when receiving states accept our families, our, our same-sex partners, and provide them privileges and immunities. The United States, I understand, is prepared to do the same. Do any of you have additional facts that you could add to how the decision was made? Was it just within the State Department, or was it promoted more broadly by the administration? Are any of you aware of whether there were any instances of the previous policy causing any problems for the United States? Sometimes a change is made because a policy is causing a problem and the problem needs to be fixed. Was this change, to your knowledge, driven by any problem with the previous policy? Senator, I'm not familiar um, with the reasons behind the change in policy. And I know Dr. Gunter is, is not career state, so, but I'm assuming the others, you are not aware of any problems that had been experienced under the previous rule. Um, Ambassador, I'm not. Okay, thank you. Ambassador Garber, let me ask you a question. I'm often in these hearings. I'm on the Armed Services Committee, too, so I use these hearings to make me a better Armed Services member and vice versa. And I have a question about Cyprus dealing with mill-to-mill -mill cooperation. So historically, the U.S., in trying to remain balanced and objective in the ongoing dispute and the negotiations between the two Cypriot communities, has refrained from providing military equipment to the Republic, with a very few exceptions for policing and also search and rescue. There have been some in Congress that have advocated lifting that restriction. I, I don't know enough about the issue, actually, to have an opinion on it myself, but I'd like to get educated. There have also been reports that during a recent visit to Cyprus, U.S. military officials raised the potential use of Cypriot military bases as a backup uh, to U.S. presence at uh, Injilic, Turkey. What, what can you share with the committee about these issues? Are you aware of discussions with the Republic about possibly greater use of military bases in the Republic uh, by the United States, and what would be your thought about that? Thank you very much for that question, Senator. Um, you're right, longstanding U.S. policies uh, with regard to arms exports has been to avoid further militarization of the island. Uh, we are, however, looking at systematically strengthening our security relationship with the government of Cyprus. Cyprus has been a very good partner on counterterrorism, maritime and border security, um, as well as, I mentioned in my testimony, uh, nonproliferation. We look to build on those efforts systematically to help to strengthen it. With regard to the bases, um, the UK sovereign bases are UK sovereign territories. So as such, that's, a, that's an issue that falls between the United Kingdom and the United States. 
But as but you're not aware of there had been reports of some discussions at the mill to mill level about the potential use of those bases. H have you been read into those discussions? Are you aware what, uh, if any, uh, progress or uh, items had been discussed in that area? I have not been specifically read into the discussions at this point. If confirmed, I'd look forward to learning more. Thank you. Great, great. Thank you so much, Mr. Chair. That's all the questions I have. Appreciate it. Senator Murphy. Uh, thank you very much. Thanks uh, all for your testimony. Thanks for being here, your willingness to serve. Um, um, I wanted um, maybe to start with you, uh, Mr. Lissenberger, and actually draw on some of your experience in Serbia. Um, it, we're often asking you questions about places that you haven't been to yet, so maybe I'll ask you about a question uh, where you have been. Uh, Senator Johnson and I both spent a lot of time thinking about the Balkans worry a lot about the general instability and the desire of uh, the Kremlin to be more influential. Um, during my last trip, which is admittedly several years ago, um, our ambassador was begging for additional dollars to help stand up exchange programs in Belgrade, uh, which had been wildly successful. I went and sat for an hour or so with a bunch of Serbian leaders who had spent time in the United States, and you could just see, you could feel um, the difference it made for U.S.-Serbian relationships uh, to have folks who knew something about our country. It was a relatively small amount of money and it was being pulled back at the time. Um, maybe you can share a little bit of your experience um, uh, having been the DCM in Belgrade as to where the United States could step up its assistance in the Balkans um, and in the Caucasus, frankly, to strengthen the vulnerabilities that the Kremlin or others might want to exploit. They were frankly begging and continue to beg for more American presence there, not in the billions of dollars, but in the millions of dollars. Uh, and it seems like we still haven't figured out uh, how to answer that call. Senator, thank you for that question, um, and I'm uh, pleased to be able to talk to you about my experience in Serbia, but actually, it's my experience in all the posts I've been in overseas. The, the importance and power and effect of our exchange programs cannot be overemphasized. Uh, when, when citizens, uh, potential leaders, future leaders of countries have the opportunity to visit the United States, to study in the United States, to travel in the United States and learn about our society and our culture and see it firsthand, they can form their own opinions and impressions. They're not being influenced by any outside uh, uh, players. Uh, and most of the time, I would say the vast majority of the time, they come back hugely impressed by this great country of ours. Uh, so I, am, I have long been a strong believer in the importance of exchange programs, both the education and cultural exchange and also uh, in our security cooperation toolkit, we have a program called IMET, International Military Education and Training, which does a similar thing to help build military-to-military -military, uh, relationships uh, with countries around the world and enhance our security uh, cooperation. Uh, the, uh, the reality is that uh, assistance funding decisions have to be made in the context of competing priorities and in the case of the, of the European uh, area of, of shrinking assistance budgets. So priorities uh, come into play and uh, we, have to, we have to trade, make some trade-offs between where we want to, to focus our assistance. Exchanges are important. Programs that promote rule of law, that support civil society, that uh, uh, help uh, support human rights activists in countries like Serbia and in countries like Azerbaijan are hugely important to helping us develop uh, that dimension of our 
bilateral relationship with these countries. It's just so strange to me that we force the Department of State, and in particular the European section, to make these trade-offs to accept the inevitability of shrinking aid budgets when we don't expect the Department of Defense to do the same. Uh, we give them record increases in funding. We spend $4 billion on a European reassurance initiative, and then we ask our ambassadors in the Balkans to beg for 20,000 additional dollars for exchange programs. So I appreciate your answer. Um, uh, let me go uh, to you, uh, Mr. Nelson. Um, boy, this is, a, this is a tough job you're uh, undertaking. I mentioned that there's real desire for American leadership there. Um, I wanted to ask you about the issue of land swaps. This is um, a pretty hot topic in the region in general, uh, and I'm sure you're aware of these recent discussions around, quote, border adjustments between Serbia and Kosovo. Um, well, the decision's ultimately up to the leaders in Belgrade and Pristina. Many of us are worried that a precedent of changing borders might have a real destabilizing impact on places like Bosnia, where you've got a fragile political ecosystem as is. Um, are, are you going into this with the idea that America is committed to Bosnia's territorial integrity? And uh, do you think that there are legitimate concerns with some of the proposals out there to shift borders um, and the follow-on effects that it could have as others try to think about ways in which they could move their borders to capture different ethnic populations that they would like to have inside their uh, national boundaries. Thank you, Senator Murphy. Yes, I am going in with a, a clear commitment to United States support of Bosnia's territorial integrity and sovereignty. The discussions between Kosovo and Serbia, two sovereign states, to agree on normalizing their relations are important, are important for the region. We support the EU-facilitated dialogue. But it's important to uh, make clear that there is no parallel in Bosnia-Herzegovina where sub-state entities have uh, discussed secession. Um, we remain steadfast in our support of Bosnia's territorial integrity, and we will continue to work with our partners to keep Bosnia moving forward and focused on unification within, within the European Union. That's the, the future that Bosnia should be looking to. I'm all for creative solutions, and frankly, the chairman knows more about this subject than I do. I just uh, worry that if it's done wrong, um, uh, it, it could lead to more rather than less destabilization, but I remain open to uh, folks using some creative ideas to try to solve uh, centuries-old problems. Um, uh, Ambassador Garber, can you talk a little bit about why Russian money laundering in Cyprus should matter to America? Um, this is something that we've spent a lot of time thinking about and looking at, um, and uh, Treasury is obviously involved in this, but uh, it's still occurring. Wall Street Journal uh, called uh, Cyprus Russia's favorite money haven. Um, what can we do? Why does this matter to us, and what can the next ambassador do about it? Thank you very much for that question, Senator Murphy. Uh, Russian money laundering is a serious concern, and the integrity of Cyprus's financial system is a serious concern for the United States. So it's not abused by bad actors um, to be able to have that happen for illicit means. As you noted, sir, uh, the, the Republic of Cyprus has been cooperating uh, with the U.S. Treasury on strengthening its anti-money laundering regime. It does a lot with this issue in Latvia as well. Latvian banks have also been used for um, 
money laundering in the past. And I look forward to bringing what I have learned um, from that experience to bear, uh, should I be confirmed uh, as ambassador to the Republic of Cyprus. We have been engaging government regulators, the private sector, um, trying to make clear the seriousness with which we will be enforcing US sanctions and our intention to pursue entities that facilitate money laundering. It's very important for the future prosperity of Cyprus that it has a very strong banking system and one that can't be abused by illicit actors. Uh, great, thank you for that uh, for that answer, uh, Dr. Gunner. Your post, none of these posts are easy, but yours is the easiest amongst them. We've got a great bilateral relationship with uh, with Iceland, and, and you'll be the beneficiary some, of some fantastic work by previous ambassadors. Um, and so, I wanted to actually ask you a question about some of your prior work in the foreign relations space. Uh, you've been uh, a board member of the Republican Jewish Coalition, an organization founded by Sheldon Adelson. Um, and I want to ask you a sincere question about s your thoughts about the, the, the state of uh, the political discussion surrounding support for Israel. When I got to Congress 12 years ago, there was very little political advantage that one party tried to seek over the other when it came to the issue of Israel. We had our differences, and um, there were certainly groups that existed working just with Republicans and just with Democrats. But in the time that I have have been here, I've seen a rapid escalation of the electoral politics that get played out around the issue of Israel. And all of a sudden, uh, whether the uh, critiques are fair or not of one party or the other, uh, all of a sudden you see lots of TV ads um, uh, right now trying to expose vulnerabilities that one party may have uh, over their support or lack thereof for Israel. And I really worry um, that this sort of pulls apart one of the discussions that tended to be fairly nonpartisan here. It tended to be one of the things in this space that united us, and now all of a sudden uh, there's political gain to be had. Is this something that, and again, I, I, I may draw issue with some of the donors and supporters of the, the group that you belong to, but I understand this plays out on both sides. So as you've worked in this space, do you worry about um, this, uh, about the issue of uh, Israel becoming politicized, becoming something that all of a sudden is inside our electoral politics in a way that it wasn't a couple decades ago? Uh, thank you for the question, Senator. Um, it's a very good one. And like many of the issues that we face today in the current political environment, I worry. I worry because I'm an American first. It's not a D or not an R issue. It's an A issue that we're all Americans. And I wonder when, and I worry when things become so politicized, are we forgetting, quite frankly, why we're all here today and what unifies us, instead of focusing so much on what divides us. So I view my role coming to Iceland as providing for the prosperity and the protection of all Americans through building strong relationships with the Icelandic government, with Icelandic companies, and most importantly, the Icelandic people. And I come there not as a DRR, I come there as a double A representing all Americans. And for me, that's extremely important. Thank you. Uh, I appreciate that answer. I take it your word. We've sent at least one ambassador to Europe who has not lost his political stripes uh, uh, upon taking a very important post. And so uh, I, I, I trust uh, that you will take a, a different path. Thank you for that, that good answer. Thank, thank you, Mr. Chairman. Senator Menendez. Well, thank you, Mr. Chairman. Congratulations to all of your nominations. I have a particular interest with two of the nominees, so let me address them. Uh, Ambassador Garber, uh, I appreciate our visit uh, yesterday uh, and our discussion. Uh, I am uh, one of the who believes that in cases such as Cyprus, unless we reconcile ourselves with the past, it is difficult to move forward. 
So to that end, do you acknowledge that there was an invasion of Cyprus and that Turkey should seek to withdraw its troops? Sorry about that. Senator, thank you very much for, for that question. And um, I, I think it's um, right to recall the tragic events. You're right to recall the tragic events of 1974. Um, uh, in 1974, uh, following these tragic events, the United States supported UN General Assembly Resolution 3212, and this called for both sides to freely achieve a mutually acceptable political settlement on the island. Um, this has led the United States for many years to support Cypriot-led UN-facilitated negotiations to reunite the island as a bizonal bicommunal federation. We seek to use language that enables the United States to play an effective role, and we have played an effective role in helping to facilitate these discussions. We continue to see a settlement on the island as the best reason for security. Well, I appreciate that answer to a question that I did not pose. The question that I posed was not what do we seek in terms of a settlement. The question that I posed is whether or not Turkish troops invaded northern Cyprus and are still there in northern Cyprus, occupying northern Cyprus. I think if we cannot uh, accept a factual reality, then we're in trouble in terms of trying to figure out how do we move forward. So is it true that Turkish troops uh, ultimately crossed into northern Cyprus and are presently there, continuing uh, since 1974? The Turkish intervention on the on the island led to the events of, of uh, the tragic divisions that we have today. I think the issue of the Turkish troops is one of the most sensitive issues in the negotiations and one that will be part of a final Do settlement. Do you acknowledge the that there are Turkish troops in northern Cyprus? Turk um, do I acknowledge that there? Thank you, Senator. Um, do I acknowledge that there are Turkish troops on on northern Cyprus? Yes. Um, yes or no? Yes, there are Turkish troops in. Thank you. It's uh, you know the State Department. <laughs> I appreciate uh, the the nuances, but there are certain things that are just real. Turkish troops, which were not existent prior to this time, invaded northern Cyprus, and have continued to be there and makes it one of the most militarized places in the world. That's just a fact. Now, dealing with that fact as we try to seek a bizonal, bicommunal uh, federation where people can live in peace and security is an important fact. So I, uh, you know, I, I, I gather that you're constrained because I know you have an incredibly uh, successful uh, history and a career history of the department, but uh, th this always baffles me in terms of not just recognizing simple facts. Let me ask you this. Uh, if confirmed, will you work to ensure access to Turkish military zones on the island where missing Greek and Turkish Cypriot persons may be buried? Uh, thank you for that question, Senator. The issue of missing, purposes of missing persons is a very important uh, issue of concern to the United States. If confirmed, I will work to make sure that the Committee on Missing Persons is able to have access to all burial sites mm -hmm. um, uh, and expeditiously I, I, conclude its work. I heard your previous answer to the question about lifting the arms embargo. I'm one of those who believes we should lift the U.S. arms embargo on Cyprus. Uh, this is part of the European Union. Uh, Cyprus plays a critical role with us in so many different ways, in intelligence sharing, 
when we've had to airlift Americans out of other areas in the region. Cyprus has been our landing point. They have been receptive. They've been helpful. Uh, I believe we should lift the arms embargo against Cyprus. Let me ask you finally, do you believe that the Cypriot government has the right to exploration in its exclusive economic zone in accordance with international law? And if you are confirmed, will you defend that right? Uh, Senator, thank you very much for that question. Uh, the, w the United States recognizes the right of the Republic of Cyprus to the resources in its exclusive economic zone. We believe that they should be shared ex equitably in the context of an overall settlement. Uh, the ener energy has uh, the ability to promote greater regional cooperation, and we believe a settlement will facilitate not only the development of these resources, but their ability to work to the benefit of all Cypriots. Uh, Mr. Leisenberg, I have some questions for you. I'm concerned by Azerbaijan's bellicose rhetoric and sporadic outbursts of violence against, uh, along the Nargono-Karabakh line of contact, which undermine diplomatic efforts to peacefully resolve the conflict. If confirmed, what steps will you take to urge the Azerbaijani government to step back from its threatening behavior and permit necessary monitoring along the line of contact? Thank you very much, Senator. Um, as one of the three co-chairs of the Minsk Group process uh, that is working to achieve a peaceful settlement uh, to the Nagorno-Karabakh conflict, uh, we are working along the lines of three principles. Uh, one is the, the non-use of force and, and the non-threat of the use of force. The second is the respect for territorial integrity, and the third is the rights of peoples to self-determination. All three of those are important. Any, any agreement or settlement that does not fully take all three into account is unlikely to succeed. For that reason, uh, all of the co-chairs, uh, the U.S. especially, uh, condemns any violence and any threat of the use of violence uh, along the line of contact. It undermines the peace process. It violates the 1994 ceasefire uh, and, and is very unhelpful. So if confirmed, uh, I will continue to support the efforts of uh, uh, Andrew Schofer, who is our U.S. co-chair to the Minsk Group process, uh, and will urge the government of Azerbaijan to work cooperatively to help settle this conflict. Mm -hmm. So I, I will take that, that as part of your overall uh, answer, that you would urge the, all the parties, but certainly since you're going to be uh, the ambassador of the United States to Azerbaijan to urge the Azerbaijanis to uh, step back from any threatening behavior that disrupts uh, the line of contact. Is that a fair statement? That's a fair statement, sir. Do you support the provision of security assistance to Azerbaijan and should it be tied to progress towards a peaceful settlement of the Nagorno-Karabakh conflict or to progress on accountability for human rights abuses committed by Azerbaijani security forces? Thank you, Senator, for that question. Um, the U.S. does uh, provide some security assistance to Azerbaijan, and we do it because it directly serves U.S. national interests. Uh, our security cooperation is focused in, uh, in, in, in areas such as reinforcing Azerbaijan's border security along its southern border with Iran, clearly in our interest towards enhancing its maritime uh, uh, awareness and the ability to secure and safeguard 
its uh, important energy infrastructure in the Caspian Sea. That's also clearly in our interest as we try to uh, support and help Azerbaijan to develop uh, Western export routes for, to get its energy resources to European markets and reduce Europe's dependence on Russian energy sources. Uh, and we also uh, uh, focus our security assistance on counterterrorism training and, and capabilities to combat violent extremism and, and the threat of violent extremism. So those are all core U.S. security interests. I, I, now, I in, appreciate that. Senator, in, in carrying out all of this assistance, we are very careful to ensure that nothing that we do or provide to Azerbaijan undermines the effort to reach a peaceful settlement of the Nagorno-Karabakh conflict. And as many other places in the world, I'll just end on this, Mr. Chairman, and other, many other places in the world where we provide security assistance, one of the concerns of this committee, which has jurisdiction over arms sales uh, and other forms of assistance, is that while all of the stated reasons you gave me as to why we provide security assistance to Azerbaijan may be very valuable, we also don't want to see human rights abuses by the very forces that we arm. So will you commit yourself to making sure that that is part of what you're looking at uh, if you are to be confirmed? Senator, thank you, and absolutely, and I apologize, I failed to mention that an important component of the security assistance that we provide Azerbaijan includes training in human rights and the respect for human rights. So this actually affords us another avenue to engage the government of Az Azerbaijan on this important issue. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Thank you, Senator Menendez. Um, I spent time with uh, all four nominees, uh, pretty well got my questions answered. I, I do want to say that I think we've got some very well qualified uh, career foreign service going to three of the uh, very important countries. You know, we, we have opportunities here. I've, I've spent a fair amount of time back and forth between Serbia and, and uh, Kosovo. Uh, I think there's a, there's a desire to, to solve that problem, which would certainly help in terms of Bosnia and Herzegovina. Uh, there are opportunities between Azerbaijan and Armenia. Uh, maybe we can work in Cyprus and, and start providing greater stability in these long-standing conflicts. So again, I, I really appreciate uh, your willingness to serve in these regions. I certainly appreciate your family's willingness to, to work with you on that. It really is a, a shared sacrifice. I do want to, before I close this out, uh, uh, talk about an area of agreement. I also am hugely supportive of the exchange programs, things like J-1 visas. I, I would say uh, one thing I find pretty interesting when you go into the Balkan region, one of their concerns is economic opportunities outside of their countries, and so their young people are leaving. Um, I, I've always encouraged uh, the leaders of those nations to identify those young people that for sure want to come back. You know, send those individuals to America to learn, whether it's in, in work programs or study programs or whatever, uh, military exchanges. Uh, so we've got bipartisan support. I mean, anything we can do working together to make sure that the State Department has resources to encourage those things, but also just working with those governments uh, to encourage that, uh, make sure we get the visas for doing so. You've got two people up here that will work with you in, in all four of your uh, nations that you represent to, to do just that. Um, so that, again, I, I apologize for being late. I'm mindful of the time. Uh, again, thank you for your, your testimony, for your willingness to serve. Uh, the hearing record will remain open for statements or questions until the close of business on Friday, October 5th. This hearing is adjourned.